Hi, and welcome to That's All I Have to Say podcast. You can find us at allihavetosay.net, at All I Have to Say podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I am Jack. I am Raven, and welcome to uh, a special edition of All I Have to Say called All George Soros Has to Say About That. Um, this is something right. Jack and I <laughs> have been discussing for a while and have watched evolved, uh, excuse me, evolve over the last couple of years. Um, and it is the radicalization of the Orthodox community uh, and specifically the right wing radicalization of the Orthodox community. It seems as if there has been a concerted effort to target this community, I would say, uh, with propaganda, um, I would say similar to efforts that we saw uh, targeting the African-American community in 2016, and I probably also in 2020 um, during the general election, uh, trying to paint uh, HRC and um, Biden as racist and anti Black. Um, this effort is uh, attempting to claim all Democrats and elected Democratic officials um, are anti-Semitic. Um, right. And uh, I just want to say one more thing about this. It's interesting because a lot of the um, radicalization that we see of the Republican Party in general uh, around QAnon and so on is very similar to <laughs> like the blood libel um, right. conspiracy theories that Jews have been victims of since, I don't know, uh, zero common era, right? <laughs> right. So it's interesting. Um, for, for those of you who might not know what the blood libel is, uh, the blood libel was an accusation that was used throughout, as Raven said, for 2000 years, pretty much that um, Jews uh, murder children in elaborate rituals in order to get their blood, to drink their blood, um, <clears throat> which and is And make matzah with their blood. And, and make matzah, which is funny because you, blood is not kosher. You, you, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to drain the blood. <laughs> but uh, you know, what do these people know? And if that sounds familiar to you, uh, the QAnon, it's now that uh, Democrats are elite Satanists, blood drinkers that murder children. Uh, but there is definitely still that specter because of George Soros and Jewish space lasers, etc. So, well, and <clears throat> also, know, yeah. I believe one of the newest things, maybe this isn't the newest thing in QAnon, um, uh, but one of the one of the accusations is that Hillary Clinton participated in a ritual where she cut off the face, the skin, right, like the face of a teenage girl, a sixteen-year-old girl, kind of like Buffalo Bill did in Silence, or wanted to do and did in Silence of the Lambs, um, right. and used her face as a mask and then drank her blood. Um, sure to I think I don't know if it was to keep the lizard people that control us happy 
or if I got that from a joke meme. Um, but people do um, believe that she did that. <laughs> who knows? Who knows anymore? We're living in a meme. So Raven and I That's live in New York true. City, which is almost one, almost one in five people here are Jewish. Uh, some, you know, either ancestry or religiously or whatever, however you want to say it. So we really have seen here in New York, we've seen these, this split, this drift. Normally, you know, most Jews, you know, if we're talking about, you know, more like reform or conservative Jews and definitely um, secular Jews tend to vote Democrat. And, um, that that's that's kind of been the case for forever but um there's been a sharp turn to the right in the orthodox community both here and in israel um you know raven if you look at the electoral i remember at the because i was at the time i was working in a um in a predominantly orthodox neighborhood and uh if you look at the electoral map in 2016 and 2020 here in Brooklyn, where a lot of the Orthodox uh, neighborhoods are, they were solidly red. They all voted for Trump. And when I asked, you know, Orthodox people that I knew why they would do such a thing, um, given the blatant racism and anti-Semitism and Nazi, you know, he's Trump is a Nazi poster boy. Uh, they they thought that Trump would be friendlier towards Israel than Bush and Obama. Um, yeah, you know, it makes no sense to me why Jews would affiliate themselves with a party that embraces anti-Semitism and of which its last sitting president uh, traded in anti-Semitic rhetoric leading to the worst anti-Semitic attack in American history, the Tree of Life massacre, as well as the Poway synagogue attack. Uh, it makes no sense to me how any person of conscience um, can be affiliated with that wing of the Republican Party. Um, but I would say, I think that, um, as I said before, there has, while there has been uh, an, a direct attempt to radicalize the Orthodox Jewish community, um, the Jewish exit of the Democratic Party has been extremely exaggerated in the media. Um, Jews after African American women are the most loyal uh, component of the Democratic Party bases voting block. Uh, and according to virtual Jewish history, uh, since 1980, the Jewish vote has actually become more democratic. Um, so in 1980, 45% um, of Jews voted for Carter, 39% for Reagan, 15% for Anderson. In uh, 1984, we have 57% of Jews voting for Walter Mondale, 88, 64% for Dukakis, 
92, 80% for Clinton, 96, 78% for Clinton, uh, 2000, 79% for Gore. Um, yeah, and then we have uh, it hovering, excuse me, around 80%, uh, 76 for Kerry, 78 for Obama. Then there was a drop, um, a, significant, a significant drop uh, between 2008 and 2012. And I would say that this is when the radicalization, um, you know, became more targeted. 69% uh, for Obama in 2008, 71% for Hillary Rodham Clinton in 2016, and then 76% for Biden in 2020. Um, and I think, you know, the interesting thing here is that, right, like up until Trump, Israel was a 100% bipartisan issue. Um, there was equal support among elected officials in the Democratic and Republican Party uh, for the state of Israel, as well as for, you know, military aid to Israel. Um, Israel's peace agreements uh, with Egypt, right, happened under Carter. Um, and then Clinton um, negotiated uh, the Camp David Accords, right? Or the Oslo Accords, excuse me, um, which uh, with Itzhak Rabin and Yasser Arafat. And that was really kind of the closest that we have come to any kind of a real two-state solution ever, right? Since the UN mandate right. of 1948. Um, now we know that the reason uh, that that didn't happen was because Arafat agreed and then essentially went home and launched an intifada, right? Um, so I think that that also was the last time that there was like a legitimate international attempt at trying to create a two-state solution. Um, and it, it seems to me that after that, um, in terms of Israeli politics, Israel took the go-it-alone approach, right? We see Sharon unilaterally pulling out of Gaza. Um, and then Netanyahu essentially, you know, doing nothing to advance um, the cause of peace or the prospect of a two-state solution uh, since then. And Trump 100% supported that and his administration 100% supported that. Um, and I would say, you know, that that's, extremely dangerous. Uh, obviously, <laughs> the, again, anybody of conscience wants uh, a two-state solution, right, with um, Arabs and Israelis living in peace and harmony side by side. Um, a one-state solution or maintaining the status quo is not um, sustainable. Right. It's, it's only going to, yeah. no, it's only going to lead to 
uh, more violence, more resentment and more hatred. Um, and what Trump did uh, through American foreign policy towards Israel was to um, further entrench uh, A, the go it alone approach and B, um, the status quo. Uh, and also I think put forth this narrative that disagreeing with Netanyahu uh, means that one is anti-Semitic. Um, right. So, you know, there's a lot of obviously debate about whether anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism and I'm of the opinion that it is. I think that one can legitimately criticize Israeli policy um, but when you uh, deny a certain group of people the right to self-determination um, and the prospect of self-governance, I would say that that is anti-Semitic. Um, so, you know, I think it, it's also complicated because you have uh, anti-Semitism on the left, um, Sure. In the form of anti-Zionism. Um, and then also like on the fringes, I think you find <laughs> George Soros playing uh, a huge role, both on the left and on the right. Uh, but Jews on the left um, and in the Democratic Party, for an example, call out Ilhan Omar for saying, you know, that Israel is a serpent. Um, Jews on the right, uh, and then the right in general, uh, and, you know, I'm making blanket generalizations here, but I think those who have been radicalized, um, when you ask them about anti-Semitism within the Republican Party, the response is, what about-ism? and conflating, uh, for an example, disagreeing with Israeli policy uh, in regard to settlements in the disputed territories, um, using that as an example of anti-Semitism while saying that, you know, the person, uh, what's her name, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who uh, <laughs> is talking about how Jews have started forest fires uh, in order to control, uh, excuse me, to get uh, <laughs> the corner on the high-speed rail market in California. Um, is Target like she's with with space, space laser. Lasers. Yes, let's not to forget. get the corner on the market, right? So it all comes back <laughs> right. to money, but that's just a crazy person and it has nothing to do with the party and the fact that the party won't censure her um or you know and votes to support her isn't anti-semitic uh i'm sure that there's some link to antifa here um and then also this kind of like obsession um that we see with black lives matter um in the orthodox community being uh, of more concern than actual Nazis and white supremacists marching on Charlottesville, chanting Jews will not replace us. It's, it's, it's insane to me. It's like, uh, I guess it's akin to the cult of Trump. It's, 
you know, like there's some kind of um, layer of crazy uh, encasing these people's minds, right? Um, but I guess yeah. also if you're uh, super religious, you're already uh, once, I mean, you're already believing in fantastical stories to begin with. So I don't, well, I don't know. And, and that <clears throat> brings up a, an interesting point because, you know, we're, we're asking the question here, why are the Orthodox Jews largely in bed with the, the, the Trumpers and the Republican Party? <clears throat> and religion plays a big part in that, not only from the Jewish side, but from the evangelical Christian side, which the base of, uh, you know, Trump and the Republicans is largely uh, evangel white evangelical Christian. And, you know, one of the questions is, you know, if you, you watch any of their rhetoric or you see any other stuff is that they're very pro-Israel very pro-Israel, like very often, I remember <clears throat> back home in Texas, I would, you know, if, if I went with an evangel, you know, into an evangelical church or something, or a Baptist church, there was always an Israeli flag there. Mm, but it's very simple. It's very simple. According to the mainstream evangelical interpretation of the apocalyptic book of Revelation, which if you don't know, is the book about the end of the world in according to in, in the Christian uh, Bible, several things have to happen. It's like a checklist before Jesus can return. One of the main ones that has to, has to, has to, has to happen is that the Jews must return en masse to Israel. I've known, this is anecdotal, but I've known Orthodox Jews who have told me that they're, they, they actually do things and team up for efforts uh, both here and in Israel with evangelical groups. Like, like I've heard John Hagee, for example, who's a televangelist or Liberty University, because they both kind of share this like idea that Israel belongs exclusively to the Jews, but they're, they're, the, the reason the evangelicals think that has nothing to do with the Jews, has nothing to do with self-determination, as you said, Raven, or whatever, like the, the, Jewish, the Jews deserve a homeland. It, it has nothing to do with that. It's completely self-serving in that this literally... Jews returning to Israel and the state of Israel existing is a checklist for mm -hmm. Jesus to return. And that is why Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. It has nothing, you know, it has very little, you know, although it worked, especially with the Orthodox community, as we were saying, but what he was most interested in is that that seems to be fulfilling uh Christian biblical prophecy, but it also ties into the Jewish Orthodox idea that the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people mm -hmm. uh, exclusively. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting thing because you, you think about like, 
evangelical Christians who a lot of them are anti-Semitic, especially the ones that have bought into the QAnon thing. At the same time, these Orthodox Torah observant Jews are coming together in this completely bizarre way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Thinking about it from another perspective, like obviously it's dangerous to align oneself with Nazis and you know sure. <laughs> there's there's no way that obviously that, that that is going to end well. Um but I would say like, you know, yes, Jerusalem is the ancestral capital of the Jewish people. Um, yes, it should be recognized as such, but doing so in regard to international uh, status when um, the Palestinian, Palestinian territories have not yet um, been formed into an official nation state undermines the possibility for peace right and i think really that um all of trump's policies towards israel uh were actually dangerous right so you have moving the official capital to jerusalem is dangerous because it undermines the possibility for peace in the future. And then I would argue that the normalization treaties with uh, Sunni Muslim countries are, while normalization is good, are also dangerous because uh, Sunni Islam is much more extremist than Shia Islam. Um, Saudi Arabia, not Iran, is the biggest exporter of terrorist ideology and terrorist, fu terrorist funding um, in the Muslim world, right? Um, right? So it's much more dangerous um, to create, uh, dangerous and duplicitous to create some kind of a relationship between Saudi Arabia and Israel than it is to, you know, in, enter into, uh, a nuclear agreement with Iran. And we, we've seen right now that Biden is president that once the US pulled out of the agreement, Iran actually did start um, working towards developing nuclear capabilities again, right? Um, so they're closer now uh, to having the technology to develop nuclear weapons than they were uh, under Obama, under Bush, and when they were in the uh, nuclear agreement. Um, right. So literally everything that he did in regard to policy towards Israel um, was bad for Israel. And everything that he did in the United States was dangerous for American Jews. Um, so it's really, it's really just baffling to me, um, you know, that, people don't see this. And I think also a lot of it um, stems back to 9-11 in that uh, the Republicans somehow, I don't really understand how this happened, 
were able to paint themselves as the party of national security and the party of being tough, tough on terrorism, right? Like, so you can ignore security briefings for months um, that very explicitly tell you <laughs> that Osama bin Laden uh, is planning on striking within the United States, then have it happen right. because of incompetence, and then get to say that you and your party are tough on terrorism. Like, it, it's insane. Um, but during that time, uh, Israel was also experiencing, uh, I believe, the second intifada, right? So there was um, some kind of symbiotic camaraderie between Israelis and Americans in regard to being victimized by terrorism. Uh, and I think that, you know, there like was some switch then in that like, oh, the Democrats are being too PC when it comes to dealing with terrorism. So we need to, you know, go with, whatever, the Republican Party and the tough guy, even though Bush, um, actually one of the two compliments I can give him is about uh, the way that he responded to anti-Muslim sentiment and Islamophobia after 9-11, and then also founding uh, PEPFAR. Um, but yeah. it just, like, it's crazy, right? Like, you, you see the same rhetoric coming from the Bush administration as you do from the Obama administration um, in regard to uh, settlements in disputed territory, in regard to uh, Israel's response um, when being attacked by Hezbollah or Hamas, in regard to terrorist attacks, um, you know, like suicide bombing and those types of terrorist attacks within Israeli territory. Uh, you see the same actions on the part of the United States at the United Nations in favor of Israel under both administrations. And yet the Obama administration is anti-Semitic and the Bush administration isn't. The language literally is the same. Um, right. It's just, I, you know, I, I don't fully understand But is that also, it. but is, is that partially from the, <clears throat> from a lot of the Jewish perspective? I mean, isn't that a little bit because of racism? I mean, Against yeah, black people? Yes, it is. But I think, you know, and this also is related to anti-Semitism. Um, there's... Uh, the idea that all Jews are white, um, when in reality, probably 45% of Jews can pass as white and are Ashkenazi, right? The rest of Jews um, who were living in diaspora before the creation of the modern state of Israel are not white. They're from other countries in North Africa and the Middle East. India, China, uh, Africa. Um, so yes, there is, racism does play a part in this, uh, obviously, but um, I think, you know, there's also a, the role, uh, or rather the media, the mainstream media also plays a part in it because as we said earlier, um, we can look at the numbers of how people voted. Um, 
and pinpoint when the radicalization kind of intensified uh, in the middle of Obama's first term, right? Um, So, you know, I mean, I don't know, but then the numbers like went back up again. Uh, I don't know, I really don't understand it. it. It's interesting that you say about how it's really been in the last 15, 20, 15 to 10 years that this switch with the Orthodox community has happened. And and I think one way you can really see it is the same way that the radicalization has happened to the rest of the right, which is through these conspiracy theories, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the ones that's strongest in the uh, Orthodox community is uh, being Mm anti-vaccine. And um, there have been outbreaks here in New York of mumps, measles, even polio. Mm, Um, Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, there. I mean, just a couple of cases, but you know, there shouldn't be any polio. No. Right? Polio should not be a thing anymore. but, uh, but you know, when, when COVID hit, you know, there have been, uh, if, if you look uh, when, the, when the epidemic started and then kind of when there was a resurgence, uh, one of the epicenters, one of the first epicenters were in these Orthodox communities. Um, the cops have had to break up weddings and funerals and, and other events in the Orthodox community that had 10,000 people or more, nobody mm. wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, anecdotally, uh, there's, a, there's a nice little park by me here and on Sunday, the or- Orthodox families come and everyone else in the park is wearing a mask, but they are not. So yeah. they've, really, they've really bought into a lot of the conspiracy theories that have to do with vaccines with COVID. They just don't believe COVID is a thing. And was it last week, Raven, that in Israel there were like really violent demonstrations against COVID restrictions, right? Yes, last week. Uh, yeah, in one of the communities in the West Bank, and I believe in East Jerusalem, um, a bus was burned, a driver was dragged off of the bus and beaten. Um, and yeah, I mean, Netanyahu has been playing an extremely dangerous game with the Orthodox community in Israel as well, just in regard to, you know, letting the community do whatever they want, um, to bolster demographics. Um, because, you know, I mean, just like here, uh, a lot of the ultra-Orthodox community um, do not participate in the modern world, right? They're living off of the state. Um, right. So their children, uh, you know, don't know how to do basic math. They don't have the skills to work, right? Um, they don't serve in the military. Um, and they essentially do whatever they want, including... Um, <laughs> burn buses and engage in, you know, violent uh, acts of violence against uh, the Israeli military and Israeli police, as well as acts of terrorism 
against Arab Israelis and Palestinians. Um, it just uh, it just reminded me of the conversation we were having before we started recording. Um, you know, the, they're complaining about anti-Semitism um, and they're Zionist, right? But then they do all of these things that are dangerous uh, for Jews and for the state of Israel. And it's like uh, the insurrectionists uh, during the Capitol riot, beating the police officer with the thin blue line flag. Um, right. It's like, it was never really about uh, Blue Lives Matter, you know? Um, no, I don't, no, it's yeah. all bullshit. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know that there's a direct and easy answer to this, but, <clears throat> I, I know some Orthodox Jews that literally all four of their grandparents died in the camps during World mm-hmm. War II. I know you lost family as well, Raven. Actually, How? one of my relatives uh, who survived the Holocaust uh, died from COVID in, in the end of April. Yeah, that's right. So, so... Here's so I asked them the question when Charlottesville happened. I said, These people are literally carrying swastikas and MAGA hats that they voted for Trump. How can you rationalize that? Like, to me, it would be a deal breaker, right? When I found out that the guy I supported was supported by the American Nazi party, by David Duke, by the Mm -hmm. Ku Klux Klan, that people are, you know, as they did on January 6th, carrying swastikas and and the the Confederate battle flag or whatever. It's like, you know, you are the company you keep, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, how can you be like, and, and their answer was, well, you know, like, not everybody thinks that way. Or, or yeah. these are these are just the, the bad apples, right? And it's like, yeah, but it's like, the, the, the distinction might be, not all Trump followers are racist, but all racists are Trump followers. Yes. And they've all, you know, uh made the bargain that whatever they like about him outweighs all of the odious things about him um so they're either racist or racist racist adjacent um and i'm not really sure uh if there's a difference there (laughs) right like i think it's funny also because uh you know you always hear um kind of the critique that Jews on the left uh, or any Jewish person that makes um, any statement that's critical of Israeli policy is a self-hating Jew. But what is a Jew that's aligned themselves with Nazis? <laughs> like, that's, a, that's an excellent point. You know? But, you know, as I've been told, um, how can Donald Trump be an anti-Semite if Jared Kushner and Ivanka are themselves uh, modern Orthodox Jews. I have one thing to say about that. 
Um, and it's that I have never met a religious Jewish person um, or a secular Jewish person for that matter who actually accepts that a convert is really Jewish. <laughs> so I'm calling bullshit on that one. <laughs> like, right. You know, I well, mean, especially, especially it, in the Orthodox community that are exactly. very specific about what you need to do to convert. Exactly. I mean, yes. One of my best friends um, who is Israeli American and lives in Israel and uh, got married in Israel and married a, a Jewish person um, whose father was Jewish and mother converted, uh, but couldn't get married, like couldn't get legally married in Israel because um, her mother made a conservative conversion, uh, not an Orthodox conversion. She was raised Jewish, identifies as Jewish, uh, had a bat mitzvah, had made Eliyah, was a citizen of the state of Israel um, and couldn't get married there legally. so yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's ridiculous, um, but it's also you know it's it's also really scary um, on a serious note because it it puts us all uh, in danger. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the more they whip up these anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic. Um, ideas and conspiracy theories, I think it's going to catch the Orthodox community in this country. Um, It's going to really surprise them one day when they realize that they've been duped. And they have been duped. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, again, they, you know, it, it's hard to argue when the answer is because God said so. Yeah. But, and you know, it's 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 the problem with all fundamentalism in yeah. any stripe is that ultimately there's an inflexibility there that, um, and 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 a, a like just belief in the rightness of your of what you believe that you know everything else falls by the wayside yeah and uh and that's how and that's how you get uh people who wear payas and dark suits and are torah observant jews voting for the same guy as guys with giant swastika tattoos yeah. Oy vey. Oy vey indeed. So that's uh, that's all for now. Um, it's it's insane. Uh, we'll be back with another episode in a few days, and uh, join us on all I have to say net, all I have to say podcast on, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and uh, that's all we have to say about that. Thank you for listening. Signing off, Raven E. Brown. (laughs) Nice.